Have your uh, smart device, if you, if you want to uh, find, open the app, the Bible app, you can do so. And uh, it is the little brown Bible in the, in the app. And then lower right-hand cut corner is more, and halfway down is events. And then select Cassidy Assembly of God. And all of the today's uh, handouts will be, or slides will be on that for about a week. And you can go back and review the teaching or uh, the humor section, whatever you want to want to get there. Amen. In your bulletin today, uh, there is a sermon notes outline. If you'll go ahead and pull that out, you can follow along with us in our Bible study as we uh, as we focus on our topic today. Uh, the title of today's message is is one that is a little bit. Uh, uh, you say, well, where'd you get that? Where is your dwelling place? Where is your dwelling place? And we'll get into that in just a moment. Amen. I heard about, I'd like to begin with just a little bit of humor to get your attention. I heard about a, a bride and groom that were getting married and they were, were at the wedding rehearsal. Usually is the evening before is a common thing. And, and the groom at the wedding rehearsal said, uh, he, he got the minister aside and says, Hey, I, I need to make a deal with you. And so the minister said, Okay, well, what kind of deal you want to make? He said, Well, I need you to change the wording in my wedding vows. I want you to leave out some things. Leave out that love stuff and honor and obey stuff when it comes to me. And I'll give you this $100 bill. And so he, he pressed a $100 bill into the minister's hand and he walked away quietly with a big smile, big smirk on his face. Well, the next day during the wedding ceremony, the minister got to the point of repeating the vows and he says, do you promise to bow down before your wife? Do you promise to take her breakfast in bed every day and fulfill her every desire? I mean, this groom in astonishment, where he gulped, he couldn't believe what he was hearing. And in a very weak Mickey Mouse voice, he said, I do. And then he leaned forward to the minister and said, I thought we had a deal. And the minister reached in his pocket and handed the $100 back to the groom and said, Your wife made me a better offer. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, our theme for this year is walking with God. Walking with God. And having a relationship with God. And, and in our study, we've been studying the life of Abraham. And uh, because he was a friend of God. And he walked with God. If we were looking for an example of someone who walked with God, I can't think of a better example, perhaps, than, than Abraham himself. But what's interesting is that Abraham was a tent dweller. He was a nomad. He had cattle and crops, and, and they would move uh, to different areas in order for the cattle to eat. And so he was a, a tent dweller. I don't know about you, but have you ever slept in a tent before? I mean, that's not the most favorite place in my life I'd like to be, is in an old hot tent in Texas in the middle of the month of... Now we're in September. It gets a little cooler in September, but Lord, have mercy. Fighting those mosquitoes and all those other things. I've been on several Royal Ranger excursions through the years and slept in many tents and I decided that's not where I wanted to live in a tent. I wouldn't want to live in a tent. Well, the title of our message today is Where's Your Dwelling Place? 
And if I ask you today, where do you live? Where's your dwelling place? Where do you live? And no doubt you'd be able to give me some response. You, you might say, well, I live in my car out here, you know, in the parking lot. And uh, uh, hopefully you'd give me an address. You'd say, well, this is my address. I live here. And, or give me directions to where you're staying. And some of you, you may rent an apartment or, or rent a house. Or maybe you even own a house. And you may have lived there for a number of years. But let me remind you that regardless of where you live, all of our residences, whether you're living in a house or living in a tent, all of them are but temporary dwelling places. Amen. 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 And what do you mean by that? Well, friends, our ultimate home, our ultimate home is not an earthly one. It is a heavenly home. Oh, praise God. Are you looking forward to your heavenly home? Oh, praise God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter of the Bible, described Abraham's viewpoint of, of, of where he was living. And he described it by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He was just following God. And by faith he went in the land of promise, Canaan, the land of promise, as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs, with him of the same promise. And here's the the thing I wanted to point out. He waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Are you waiting for a city today whose builder and maker is God? Oh, absolutely. Well, friends, that's the kind of mindset that that Abraham had, it was a mindset by faith. And it's the same kind of mindset that we need to have today. We need to have the mindset of someone that's living in the land, but this land is not our home. We are just passing through. Amen. And we are more or less tent dwellers, if you will. That's the mindset of a tent dweller. And we're waiting for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so we've been studying the life of Abraham for as an example of how to walk with God. But what's interesting to me, and we're going to do it today, we're going to study the nephew of Abraham. Do you remember his nephew's name? Lot. You remember Lot. And because Lot also left Ur of Chaldees and came to Haran with Abraham, when Abraham left Haran and came to Canaan, guess who also came with him? Lot came with him. And Lot was right there beside him along the way. But somewhere along the way, Lot got sidetracked. He got sidetracked from the most important things. He got sidetracked from having the mindset of a tent dweller. And he got so sidetracked that he made some horrible mistakes in his life. And he would have perished in the judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah because he was living there in Sodom when the judgment was going to come. And Abraham's a guy who interceded for him to be spared. And, and as we study the life of Lot, we quickly discover that he lived in four distinct geographic places in his life that has some significance. And he lived in three types of structures. We've talked about living in tents. For a while he lived in tents. But he lived in some other structures along the way. And 
And actually, I believe that they are patterns for us, for our spiritual lives as well. Because Lot made a choice. He made a decision. He made choices where he lived. And friends, we can make a choice where we live. I'm not just talking in the physical realm. Because we do that from time to time. We'll say, well, I think I'm going to move over here, Pastor. I'm going to move over there. And I'm changing places, you know. And, And we can do it in the physical realm. But I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. You can make a choice where you're dwelling spiritually. Amen. And Lot is the example of someone who made some wise choices along the way initially. But somewhere along the way, he made some unwise choices. Some wrong choices. And as a result, he reaped what he had sown. And so we need to understand and learn what prompted Lot to make these wrong choices in order that we would not repeat the same mistakes that Lot made on his spiritual journey as we are on our spiritual journey of walking with God. So let's talk about these three places that Lot lived in, if you will, three structures. And the first structure on your outline, if you follow along with us, is we see Lot is a tent dweller in Canaan. And so Lot chose to leave Ur of Chaldees when Abraham and his grandfather Terah left Ur of Chaldees. And Lot forsook the comforts and the security of Ur and even of Haran and chose to go with Abraham to follow the promise of the Lord. Lot also chose to worship the God that Abram was worshiping, and that is the God Jehovah, the living God. And he chose that over all of the other gods, all of the other idols that had been in his father's uh, uh, background. Joshua, in the book, one of the last chapters in the book of Joshua, he gives the history of the genealogy of, uh, of Abraham, and he says that He said to, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, Abraham's brother, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, in ancient times, and they served other gods. They were idol worshipers. They served other gods. And so Lot has chosen not to serve those same other gods that he grew up with hearing about and seeing. He chose to be close to the altar that Abraham was close to and to worship the same God that Abraham was worshiping. Now let's review just a little bit of background before we get into the depth of our study today. And let's talk about who Lot is. Now remember Terah, the grandfather, he had three sons. He had Abraham, he had Nahor, and he had Haran. And those were his three sons. And Haran is actually the father of Lot. And so here's a passage in Genesis 11. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram and Nahor and Haran, the three sons of Terah. And then Haran had a child named Lot. But Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. And so Terah and his family, they left Ur in order to go to Canaan. But they didn't make it to Canaan. They stopped a little over halfway at a place called Haran. 
And Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 describes it. And Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson Lot, and his, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, who was the son of Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to the city of Haran and dwelt there. So they didn't make it to Canaan under the leadership of Terah. And so they dwelt there for a number of years. Now after the grandfather dies, Terah dies, Abraham gets a word from God that he's to go to Canaan. And so he loads up all of his possessions and he heads there. And his nephew Lot goes with him to Canaan. Here's the passage in chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And so Lot embraced the life of a pilgrim, of a sojourner, of a nomad, if you will. And he came to the land of Canaan, which was the land that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. And he came to the land of promise with Abram, and he dwelt with him in tents. So he was a tent dweller. Now remember that Lot's tent was basically fairly near Abram's tent. Wherever Abram's tent was, well, Lot's tent wasn't that far behind because he's family. And Abram's tent was always near the altar of the Lord. How do you know that? Well, it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 18, Then Abram moved his tent. And went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And what did he do there? He built an altar there to the Lord. The altar that he built was near his tent. Amen. And so they both had the same mindset. If they're building uh, altars or, or, or moving their tents and building altars, they both had the same mindset. They're worshiping God together. Amen. Now, what's interesting is to ponder... The mindset of a tent dweller. Now, today, we would call it RVers. How many of you know of an RVer? Amen. And there's a bunch of RVers around. And RVers are basically modern-day tent dwellers. And RV is a recreational vehicle. It's like a house on wheels. And you see, tent dwellers and RVers have a similar mindset. And you say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about they have a a similar mindset about where they live. They live as strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They live wherever they want to live. And when they get tired of living in one particular spot, they just... Hook up the vehicle to it or turn on the motor and take off and go to another spot. Amen. And if they don't like one spot, they'll pack up and move to a different spot. I'll never forget. It was, goodness gracious, over 40 years ago, maybe longer than that. 
And I was the leader at a large church in, uh, in uh, Irving. I was leader of the children's ministries department at that time as a minister of education. And part of my responsibility was to go with the Royal Rangers when they had a camp out. I'll never forget loading up on that Friday afternoon the church bus crammed full of about 45 rambunctious elementary kids, boys, with all their packing gear. And we had pickups that were loaded up. Billy, you've been there, I know. And we headed toward a place called, uh, let's see, Dinosaur Valley Park. It was, uh, what's the name of that town? Glen Rose. I started to say Glen Brook. Glen Rose, that's right. It's been too long. I'll never forget, we got there, it was about dark when we arrived, and we had rented a campground space in an RV campground. And so, picture this now, it's about dark, and there are people who have been camping out already. They have their camp set up, they've got their barbecue pit outside, they've got their carpet, they've outdoor carpet they pulled out, and they're set up in their lawn chairs, they're happy, they're rejoicing, and then in comes this bus loaded with kids parked right next to them. I'll never forget looking at the, at the expressions on their face. It went from great joy to, oh my, panic, instantly. We tried the best we could to corral those 45 little boys all night long, making wonderful noise. And uh, some of them stayed up all night, I'm sure. And, but the funny thing was, I remember the next day, those RVers were packing up. <laughs> they were packing up, and they were heading out. They weren't going to endure another night. Now, we were only staying one night, but they didn't know that, you know. And so, but that's the mindset of an RVer. You can just pack up and head out anytime you want to go. As tent dwellers, they're not planning on staying in any one spot for the rest of their lives. No, they're nomads, if you will. And they're foreigners, they're strangers, they're just visiting, if you will. They realize that this world really is not their home. They're just passing through. Amen. Abraham was given a wonderful promise, a wonderful inheritance of, of, of the land that he was going to receive and his descendants were going to receive and his offspring were going to be blessed. But reality, reality was that he never really owned any of that land except for a burial plot in his lifetime. Yet he was content to live in tents. Why? Because he was looking, he was waiting on a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with his heirs, with, and held the same promise, because he's waiting for that city, whose and maker is God. He was looking for a heavenly dwelling. Now, in the spiritual realm, how many of you can relate to having the mindset of a tent dweller? Can you relate to that? That you are a foreigner in this land. Amen. You're just passing through. This world's not your home. Amen. Your citizenship is dual. You have citizenship here, but your main citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. See, that's the mindset of a tent dweller, if you will. 
And Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, describes it in verse 13 as it lifts all these patriarchs of faith. It said, all of these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They confessed they were tent dwellers, if you will, on this earth. Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. First Peter chapter 2, Simon Peter describes it this way. In the King James Version, he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I love this verse, and in a newer translation, it says this way. Dear brothers, you are only visitors here. Hello? Since your real home is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise God. See, that's the kind of mindset that Abraham had. He was looking for a city who's... Had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He wasn't concerned about getting a title deed to anything. He was, he was concerned about possessing the promises of God. So, first of all, we find Lot living in a tent in Canaan. And the tent was near the altar of God that Abraham had built. And so he had developed a tent dweller's mentality. Now, the second place that we see Lot living, he's moved out of a tent, now he's living in a house. And now he's a house dweller in Sodom. Oh my. Now, this change from being a tent dweller into becoming a house dweller was not an instantaneous thing. It was a gradual progression, if you will. At one time, Lot had his eyes... On the promise, the promise of of Canaan. But he began to get his eyes on other things. And he was looking at other things and other places and other cities and, and other people's lives. And he began to see other pastures, if you will. Genesis chapter 13 verse 10 describes it. It says, and Lot lifted up his eyes. Isn't that interesting? He lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was, looked like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all of the plain of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And he and Abraham, they separated from one another. But observe where in the plain of Jordan that he pitched his tent. In verse 12 it says, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tents near Sodom. Oh my. See, he could have pitched his tent anywhere. He could have pitched his tent anywhere in the, in the valley, anywhere in the plain. But he deliberately chose to pitch his tent near Sodom. I mean, of all the cities that had reputations, Sodom had a horrible reputation. The next verse tells us what the reputation was. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked. 
and sinful against the Lord. And that's where he chooses to pitch his tent near Sodom. We also read that in the next chapter when the kings of the north came and raided the plains that they captured Lot who at that time was living in Sodom. The passage is chapter 14 verse 12. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom. See, he had just started to pitch his tents near Sodom and now he is in Sodom. Notice the progression of degeneration that is illustrated by Lot's dwelling places. There's a progression of degeneration. First of all, he he lifted his eyes toward Sodom. He saw what pleased his eyes. And then the next thing you know, he's interested in it. He's observing the pleasures of sin. And next thing you know, he moves as close as he can get to be near Sodom. He pitches his tents near Sodom. And then the next thing you know, he's living in Sodom. He's in Sodom. And isn't that the way that it is with us? We don't just go out and start committing murder or, or adultery or, or uh, uh, stealing things or, or whatever it is. We don't just begin committing sin. No, sin is a process. It's a gradual thing. First, we, we lift up our eyes toward it. We start looking at things we shouldn't be looking at. Hello. Amen. And we got the wandering eye. Amen. We start looking at things and we start coveting things. And perhaps it's greed for things. We've been to covet with our eyes. And secondly, instead of fleeing from temptation, we get as close to temptation as we can get. And we get close to Sodom, if you will. And without getting involved in it, we get as close as we can. And as a result, we become desensitized to sin and temptation. But the next thing you know, we're right there in the middle of that thing. And we're living right in the middle of it. Living in sin. The blessed man in Psalms chapter 1 was commended because he didn't do those things. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not, who stands not, and who sits not. Because the one who's not blessed is walking in it, is standing by it, and before long they're sitting right in the middle of it. And so there's a progression of sin that is uh, indicated by these verses of Scripture. Now notice now... He's no longer living in a tent. He's moved out of the tent. And Lot is now living in a house in Sodom. And uh, God's ready to destroy Sodom because of the sin of the wicked men that are there. And so Abraham intercedes and the Lord sends two angels to rescue Lot. In chapter 19 verse 1, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot is sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now that's significant. Because the gate represents where the business is transacted. It's the commerce center, if you will, the gate. 
And that's where the administration of the city council takes place, is at the gate. And he's sitting there, at least as an elder in the city, recognized to be able to sit there. And so he's there in the gate. When Lot saw them, saw these angels, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the ground. And he said, here, my lords, please turn into your servant's house. Not tent, house. And spend the night and wash your feet. And then you can rise early in the morning and be on your way. And they said, no, we're going to spend the night out here in the open square. And so basically he's sitting in the gate. And he's now an official elder of the city. At least maybe he's on the city council. I don't know, he might have even been the mayor of the city. But he's there in the gate. And he's living in a house which speaks of earthly attachment. Earthly attachment. He has settled into the lifestyle of the culture. And the lifestyle of the community. And now, he's no longer a foreigner. He's part of us. He's one of us. He's no longer a foreigner, but now he's just another sodomite. A resident of Sodom. And he's calling Sodom his home. Now friends, you may all live in a physical house today. And and I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and purchase a tent or purchase an RV. Oh, Lord forbid. But what I'm saying is, there is a spiritual dimension in all of our lives. A spiritual dimension that is reflective in the decisions that are illustrated by Lot's dwelling places. And I'll unpack that a little more in a moment. This longing to be near Sodom and eventually to live in Sodom and moving out of a tent and moving into a house in the city of Sodom concerns me. It concerns me because it speaks of an attachment to earthly things. A different mindset than a tent dweller's mindset. It's a mindset that, that I think this is going to be my home. I think I'm going to get involved in this. And I think that, that there are things here that, that, that attracts me. I want to be a part of this culture. And it's a sinful culture that he was embracing. He was embracing a sinful lifestyle, if you will. And it was an attitude of loving the world. Oh my! Doesn't the scripture say something about loving the world? John writes about it and said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't mean that the Father stops loving you. It just means there's no room in your heart for the love of the Father. Because you're loving other things and loving the world. And that's the mindset of the attitude of the house dweller in Sodom. That I'm concerned about. You remember when Abraham rescued Lot. From being captured by the kings of the north. And he returns to the plains of Sodom. That two kings come out. One is the king of Salem. And he pays him a tithe. But then the king of Sodom comes out. Who represents Satan. And he says. Well. uh, He says. I'll tell you what. Just give me the people that you rescued. And you can keep all the plunder. You can keep all the things. 
But Abraham refused and said, no, I'm not taking one sandal strap from, from you. I'm returning all this. Why? Because I've already lifted my hand to the Lord. I've already said, Lord, I'm giving you praise. I'm worshiping you. You are the reason that I was successful in bringing all of this back. It wasn't me. It all belongs to you. Amen. You are the possessor of heaven and earth. Amen. And remember, the devil sometimes will attack head on, but other times he'll come in the back door. And this is an example of coming in the back door when the king of Sodom tempts him with things. With things. And he will tempt us with things and materialism. And the desire for riches will begin to choke out your spiritual life. And I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened exactly. But at some point, lots affection for God and the things of God, he lost that. And his affections were now turned to the things of Sodom rather than the things of God. And he lost his mindset as a tent dweller and became and received an attitude or a mindset of a house dweller in Sodom. Oh my. Now, there's a third residence that he lived in. And Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And in the New Living Translation, think about things of heaven, not on things of the earth. Amen. Here's a third dwelling place that we find Lot in, and that's he's living in a cave. Lot was a tent dweller. He was a house dweller. And number three, he was a cave dweller in the mountains. We read about it in verse 30 of chapter 19. Lot and his two daughters left Zor and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zor. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. Lived in a cave. I've been in a few caves before. I don't think I'd want to live in one. I mean, they're musty and they're dark and they're cold and they're damp. There's nothing of beauty Unless you like the stalagmites and those other mites that are there. And uh, the dwelling place, the delivering angels that delivered him from Sodom told him to leave and don't look back. Don't, he said, go to the mountains. They told him, go to the mountains and don't look back. Well, in verse... 17, as soon as he brought them out, one of the angels said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot, for whatever reason, didn't feel he could make it there to the mountains. He was afraid and he asked the angel if he could just go to this small city that was way out of the way here on the edge of the plain, the city of Zor, because it would be closer for him to get to Zor than to get to the mountains. Zor literally means littleness or smallness. In verse 18 it says, But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please, your servant has found grace in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look, there's a town near for me to run to. It's small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Well, the angels acquiesced and granted his petition and, and answered his prayer. And the city of Zor was spared. Verse 21, and he said, 
The angel said to him, Very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town that you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town was called Zor. And so God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain, except for this city, Zor. And the next verse says, By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all of those living in the cities and also the vegetation of the land. But you know the story of Lot's wife. Lot's wife willfully disobeyed the command of the Lord, showing in her heart how much she had become attached to the world And she became a pillar of salt. Verse 26, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So Lot made it safely to Zor. But when he gets to Zor, guess what? He's still afraid. And now he feared to dwell in Zor. And so he and his two daughters decide, you know, I think we need to obey God. Look what happened to mama when she looked back. She disobeyed and and he told us to go to the mountains and we didn't go to the mountains. We came here, oh my, I think we ought to go to the mountains. Unless I have a vote. It was unanimous. We're going to the mountains. Amen. And so he feared while he lived in Zor. Verse 30, then Lot went out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains. And his two daughters were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Well, I've often wondered what... Was he afraid about living in Zor? Scripture is silent. We don't know for sure what he was afraid of in Zor. It may have been that he was afraid that he was not obeying, living in in obedience to God by being there. And indeed, that may have been it. But I think that in Zor, quite honestly, he found the same kind of men, sinful men, that they had encountered in Sodom. And no doubt their reasoning was that if God judged this particular sin in Sodom, then He surely would judge it in Zor. We better get out of here. Let's let's get on the road now. Let's get out of here quick. And no wonder they didn't want to live in a house in Zor. Because they had witnessed what had happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. They had witnessed what happened when their mother looked back and she disobeyed them. And they realized that by coming to Zor, they were also... Disobeying God, who told them to go to the mountain. Now observe that Lot now has moved out of a house, out of a tent, out of a house, and now he's living in a cave in the mountains. And Scripture says he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now at one time in his life, Lot was very wealthy. He was so wealthy, they had so much cattle that he and Abraham's uh, herdsmen were arguing amongst each other and they said we need to separate and so he was very very wealthy he had great possessions but now he has lost everything he's lost everything he's in total bankruptcy if you will he's lost everything that he had he's got the shirt on his back and his two daughters 
They left in such a hurry they didn't have time to gather hardly anything when they left Sodom and Gomorrah. And now they've come and they're in this cave and they are starting over, if you will. And he's thinking back over everything that he had in his life. He was once a great man of the city, highly respected, sitting in the city gate. And now he's destined to live the rest of the days of his life in a cave. In isolation. In anonymity. Nobody knows him. And he's left only with shattered dreams and regrets over wasted years. Oh, if he'd only stayed in that tent next to Abraham. The tent that was near the altar. The poet John Whittier once wrote these words. Of all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. And so Lot took his two daughters with him, and their lives were forever changed. Because the choices associated with the dwelling places in his life. Now these two daughters shame their own father and get him drunk and commit incest with him in order to become pregnant. And they birth two sons who become fathers of two shameful nations, cursed nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites. You can read it later in the chapter. As the musicians are coming now, as I bring this message toward a close... I want to ponder those three dwelling places for just a moment. Because some of us are tent dwellers. We have a tent dwellers mentality. And that's good. It's where you plainly declare that I'm a stranger. I'm visiting here. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner to this world. And you, like Abraham, are foreigners in this world. And you declare this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Praise God. You're looking for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And if that's your mindset, friends, then you have the mindset of a tent dweller. Praise God. Then there are others whose mindset, spiritually speaking now, is that of a house dweller in Sodom. Oh my. And you find all around you there's temptations. And you have lifted your eyes to it and you've moved near it and you found right now you're right in the middle of living in it. And friends, you realize I've grown attached to this world. I've grown attached to Sodom, the things of Sodom, materialism, things. And you're so busy now that you don't even have time for God. You become attached to the world and you realize that spiritually you're dwelling in a house in Sodom, so to speak. Oh my. Friends, I've got a word from the Lord for you today. The Lord wants to rescue you out of Sodom, just as He rescued Lot out of Sodom. Amen. But you have to make a choice. Lot made a choice. You have to arise and be separate and choose to live near the altar once again. Amen. And get a tent dweller's mentality. I'm not saying you need to literally go down to academy and buy you a tent and move out on the side of a hill. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to have a tent dweller's mentality once again. Amen. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Oh, hallelujah. My home is in heaven. That's where I want to go. 
Amen. And so some have a tent dweller's mentality. Others, you find yourself with a house dweller's mentality in Sodom. But there are some today, I believe, there are some who have found yourself as a cave dweller. A cave dweller, spiritually speaking. You may feel like you're living in a cave today. What are you talking about, Pastor Marcus? You're living with regret of what could have been. You're, 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 re- you're rehearsing in your mind all of your mistakes and all your failures, failures and how you've messed up along the way. You've made choices you wish you could have taken back. You're living in pain and living in guilt and living in the past. Friends, I've come to tell you today, be courageous. Take courage today because the Lord is in the mountain where your cave is. Hello? The Lord is in the mountain and He wants to pass by your cave today. Amen. Friends, there is mercy, mercy waiting upon you if you will leave your cave of regret today and repent and come back to the tent of the Lord near the altar of God. How many of you would like to receive mercy today? Anybody? Oh, praise God, mercy. Well, in closing, my question that I began with was where are you dwelling? Where are you dwelling? I love this passage from Psalms 91. And I close with this verse. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where is that? Secret place. What is that? That's the Holy of Holies. That's God's tent. Amen. He who dwells there in the Holy of Holies shall abide under the shadow of Almighty. And then you can say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Praise God. Hallelujah. You receive that today? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for mercy. I thank you, God, there's mercy available for us. We may be in a cave of regret.